screw up at times. So let me share a personal story. I never learned to sew. Um, I went to middle school where kids were taking uh, at home that class, and I flunked sewing. So, you know, then I got married, had a family, and one of my kids wanted to be a brownie. So those of you moms out there who have brownies and Boy Scouts, you know that your kids are coming home with those badges that you're supposed to sew on to their vests or their shirts. And when that started with my daughter, I totally freaked out because I just can't sew. My kids learned early on that they were to go to their father if anything needed to be sewn. But I figured, okay, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot, and I'm going to come up with my own accommodations for my lack of sewing skills because I'm going to talk throughout this session about uh, coming up with new accommodations that work for you knowing now that you have ADHD in the picture. So getting back to my daughter, she came home with these badges every week, and I was so proud of her but not proud of my own lack of sewing skills. So what I did instead was I took a stapler and I stapled her badges onto her vest. And I thought, oh, man, see, I got it made. I know about my ADD and I'm not going to let this get me down because I found a solution. Well, week after week, you know, it started to add up on her vest. And one day she came home crying and I said, what's wrong? You should be proud of all of these badges on your vest. And she took off her shirt and she showed me her skin was ripped up and torn and bleeding from all the staples. So I said, oh, boy, I really screwed up this time. So, you know, we can think that we have all the answers, but sometimes we still are going to get screwed up, just like I did in that incident. So let's get into the purpose of this presentation, which is to help moms like you with ADD cope with everyday situations that seem so easy for other women to handle, at least in our minds it seems that way. As moms with ADD, we feel that we should be able to have that perfectly clean house, well-behaved children, all while holding down a full-time job for many of us, just like everyone else can seem to manage and juggle so well. But what we need to start doing, and this is the theme for today, is we need to start reframing who we are. We're moms with ADD. Our brains are ADD brains. And what we need to begin to do right now is to change our internal expectations and shift our strategies so that ADD can begin to work for us. Uh, I encourage all of you to pick up Sari Solden's book on women with attention deficit disorder. That was a, a book that totally changed my life, and I think it will for you too. So we know now that there's over 4 million women in the U.S. alone that have ADHD. Unfortunately, the great majority of them have not been diagnosed and therefore not treated. So what we're seeing for those who are either diagnosed or not diagnosed is a tremendous amount of shame. And what we need to start to do is ditching that shame because ADD is a real medical disorder. It's not a character flaw. And it's time to start shifting our strategies and realizing that we have a whole different ball game here. So what is an example of shifting your strategy? Well, the one that did not work for me, you know, with the badges on my daughter's vest. But here's another one that uh, that did work for me. When my daughter was very young, my hyperactive ADD daughter, um, she just could not sit at the dinner table. She was so out of control. She had a, uh, and continues to have a very severe case of this that she would fall off the chair, she would uh, spill things, she would have tantrums, she would be crying because our expectations, as many parents have, was to have a family meal with all of our kids, you know, eating nicely and having a conversation. But that just didn't work. So when I consulted with her psychologist way back when, he said, why are you forcing her to sit at the dinner table when it's making her miserable and you miserable and creating all of this tension? So that shift in strategy 
led me to allow her to eat in a different room from the family in front of the TV. All the things that we were told we're not supposed to do with our kids, I had to, you know, start shifting how I thought about my family and make it work for us. So for many, many years, she ate in another room with a TV on, which allowed her to be uh, able to focus on getting food in her mouth. So there's just one example of, of how to change, you know, your strategies in making your family work uh, in the realm of an ADHD uh, uh, family. So let's look at um, some characteristics of women, moms with ADD. I'm not going to read all of this because it's going to be too time-consuming, but, you know, a lot of us have uh, um, overreaction uh, and we, we worry, we obsess, we can be spacey, we can be shy, um, but there's also positive things. We're, we're idea people, we're sensitive, we're kind in general. So I don't want to get too much into the characteristics because you'll be able to read these more when you have time and I have time. Uh, I really want to get into more of the uh, information to share with you. So um, ADD is not an excuse. It's not an, it's really important to understand this. It's an explanation for the problems that we have in our families and within ourselves. It's important to know, again, that it's a real medical condition and that it's recognized by the medical community and national organizations like CHAD. So what are some of the special issues that we moms face? Some of this, uh, again, comes out of Siri Solden's work. Uh, let's get to the next slide. And I think it starts with the society's expectations of women. And we learn this from the time we're young girls, that we're seen as caretakers, caregivers, and that we are the ones who are expected to direct and oversee activities of our family without uh, much support at all. Uh, men and executive women, well, they have secretaries and assistants at work, but those of us, especially those of us who are at home with our kids, we don't get a whole lot of support. So there's extra stress, especially if you're a working mom, because we're still doing most of the childcare and the housework. I know that that's changing, but uh, it's not changing fast enough. Moms with ADD, we also have hormonal challenges. We know from the work of Dr. Patricia Quinn and others that our hormones and changes in hormones that gets uh, that makes our ADHD symptoms worse than almost across the board as we get older, as our hormones change. And for you stay-at-home moms, your days are very unstructured, so it can be really hard to complete the tasks because they're boring, repetitive, and if you have small kids at home, you're constantly being interrupted. And for those of us with ADD, and most of you here, as well as me, you know, we don't deal well with these constant interruptions. It throws us off course. We get distracted, but it also can cause a real strong reaction in us. And again, we get very little positive feedback. Who's saying, you know, to us uh, that, oh, you did such a great job organizing your cupboards and your spices? We don't get that. So without getting that positive reinforcement, you know, it can really do a number on our self-esteem. So again, there's high noise level in a household full of ADD because if you have ADD, we know now that it's highly genetic and there's about a 50% chance they're saying now that if you have ADD, that one or more of your kids will have ADD as well. And women, we set the tone in relationships. We try to keep everyone in balance. We're in control for the most part of the holidays and buying gifts and remembering birthdays and all that sort of thing. And we can also have difficulty communicating our needs to our partners and keeping our end up in disagreements because we tend to be overreactive or oversensitive. I hate those words. We need a different word for that, but I think you understand what I mean. We react quickly to things. We might be short-tempered. 
and for those of you here who are single moms, well, you really have a tough time because you're carrying almost all of the burden, probably all of the burden, or most of it at least. And you might have some problems with commitments in relationships because of boredom. Uh, a lot of women just kind of fly from one relationship to another, and that explains, you know, the ADD explains that kind of behavior because a lot of us can't deal with boredom. And then that can cause a lot of issues with low self-esteem. So let's look at the next slide. Do as I say, not as I do. Well, these are the common, some of the common uh, symptoms of ADHD. So, for instance, if, if you as a mom procrastinate and you're overloaded with last-minute deadlines, well, how can you help your child with his or her homework uh, duties and not wait to the last minute when that assignment is due? So you can see that with your symptoms, it really does uh, create difficulties with your kids. So if you're disorganized, and most of us are, but how do you teach a child organizational skills? If you're hyperactive, how do you slow down enough to enjoy one-on-one -on -one time with your child? One of the difficulties I see, and this is my own personal experience as well, is if you are paired, if you, let's say, have the uh, inattentive kind of ADHD like I have, and you have a, hyper a hyperactive, impulsive child with ADHD, that's a really tough mix because you just are not a, you know an easy match temperamentally to begin with. And then you know, the ADHD symptomologies are different, and it's hard. So I'm going to breeze through this and look at uh, this, because we're going to talk about uh, more specifics in, during the Q&A when we have more time. But here's Supermom, um, a, a woman that we all strive to be, but we find it hard to be. So how do we manage living with our ADHD? So let's go through some general tips. And again, society's expectations of us are to have that perfect home, Meals on the table seven nights a week, uh, entertaining people, having holidays, and just having it all together. But what happens to us as women is we internalize these expectations, and then if we feel we can't live up to them, we begin to feel empty and angry. We get uh, depressed. We can have actually you know, develop clinical depression because of this. And we also see a lot of poor self-esteem, and that, again, that sense of shame that feeling of failure and the question we ask ourselves, why can't I be a better mom? This is very serious stuff. So I like this acronym EASE, and that means um, ease into your ADD. Um, educate yourselves and those around you about ADD. Easy for me to say, and I know that all of you have tried and some of you have been successful, and probably most of you uh, or many of you have not been successful because a lot of people undermine us they don't really understand the difficulties that we encounter every single day. Except in our own ADD, that's also tough, and that can take years. Um, it's not an easy thing. It might involve going for some counseling. What we don't do enough is celebrate our strengths. Simplifying our lives, we're going to get into the specifics real soon, and eliminating overcommitments, we'll talk about that more in just a bit. So I'm hoping that all of you listening to me today Look at these pink tennis shoes. She stands out. She's different. Does that mean she's worse off? Isn't it okay sometimes to be different? Do we want to be like everybody else? So I'm hoping that you'll all begin, begin to break that mold in order for your world to work for you. Change your expectations of yourself. There is no right way to make a meal, to organize your home, to raise your kids, especially when there's that ADD in the mix. So I'm going to keep repeating, it's time to make up your own rules in your home, in your life, that work for you. Now, I get a charge out of this slide because here we go with this perfect family that we have in our minds and that we are comparing ourselves 
to. But you know what? This family doesn't exist. I wonder how much they got paid to be in this picture, but that's another story. So we know that this is uh, in our heads for the most part because we're always comparing ourselves to these perfect families. So I, adv I advocate that if mom has ADD, if you have ADD, you know what? It's okay to carry in Thanksgiving dinners. Here we go again with breaking that mold. It doesn't have to look like this. We have to shake this photograph out of our head and, and come in with some reality. So in my own home, you know, when we have a large holiday, I generally don't uh, cook up a whole meal because I, I don't do it well. It's not something I can play bass guitar, I can play the drums, I can write books, but I can't make a turkey. So that's fine. You know, I've gotten to that area, that time in my life now where I can say, okay, so I can't do that, but I can do this. Also, you know, when you when you have kids at home, you know, we're expected in our own minds and from society's expectations to always be there and take care of our kids. Well, that can be overwhelming. And it's okay to bring in a sitter, even if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're home on the weekends after a long week of work. It's okay to bring someone in to give, someone in to give you a helping hand. So once you get to that point of, of letting go of those expectations, you get to an area of liberate, liberation, which is so freeing. It's so wonderful. And I hope you'll all aspire to get to this point. And you know what? Even when you do, you're still going to have your trip-ups, just like I did with my daughter in her, her stupid brownie vest. You know, I'm going to continue to have my own challenges, even though I'm way down, you know, 20 years and plus of understanding and working with my own ADD. So in my case, you know, I may still face days in the kitchen where I have a burnt turkey. In reality, I'm never going to make a turkey, but I think I might promise you guys that I'm going to give it a try. So this is what's normal for me, and that's okay. So how do we manage our ADD? It's probably going to be hard for you to read this slide, so you may have to revisit this when we have more time. But uh, just to go quickly, the most important thing is getting the proper treatment, getting the diagnosis if you think you might have ADD from listening to this session today. Find out. Get the evaluation and then get the, the treatment that you need. It may most likely will include medications, and we are not a patient bunch of people. So it could take many months to get uh, the medication right. Maybe you need therapy, working with an ADD coach. Uh, I mentioned the Queens of Distraction um, is a very cost-effective way where you can uh, work online with me and my group of queens to, to get coaching and, and work through some of these things. But the big picture is getting the support that you need, educating yourself, accepting it, delegating, using humor. Uh, I say all the time, well, when I screw up at home, I'll say, well, that's my ADD kicking in. And I make light of it as best that I can. Simplifying your lives, eliminating overcommitments. Now, that's a big one, eliminating overcommitments. I think that we tend to be people pleasers. I have an idea of why that is. I'll get that get into that later if it comes up in Q&A. But stop saying the yes word. If a teacher comes up to you and says, hey, can you bake uh, three dozen brownies for the soccer team, instead of saying yes, Stop yourself in, in practices. Say, let me think about it and get back to you. Because more than likely, you really don't want to take that on. And that's okay. So a lot of the tips that we're going to be talking about are in my books. Uh, we don't have time to get through a lot to, today because I want time to, to connect with you guys. So keep in mind that the hallmark symptoms of ADD, the distractibility, procrastination, disorganization, those are our, all are a big part of our lives and our kids' lives. So it is important and necessary to reframe the way you see yourself, which is a mom with an ADD brain. 
not someone who's lazy, stupid, or crazy. So start making accommodations for yourself as needed. Let's get into some specifics. This is my favorite because, as you can guess, meals are a real challenge for me. And if we have time, we can talk why that is for many women besides me. But this is my favorite source about when I first got married and I attempted a roast for my dear husband, who was very funny, but he didn't realize how hurtful uh, he was when he said that it was the best sliced wallet he ever tasted. Um, you know, we have to think um, outside the box. So some of the things that we can do is carry out. Now, you think of that as a luxury. I sure did for many years. But uh, carrying out or bringing in, however you want to call it, to me is not a luxury. It's an accommodation. It's an accommodation to get ourselves through dinner times. So carrying out is one option. The POS plan, uh, that stands for the plan or starve, um, and that's basically having index cards where you write down on one side a full meal, but make it simple, like roast chicken, mashed potatoes, and lettuce, a salad. On the other side, you you break it down into the ingredients that you need to buy at the market. And uh, I, I'll get into it more if you want to later, but it's basically a way to get around the hard part of, which is, for me anyhow, making decisions. What am I going to make for dinner tonight? Shopping at smaller markets, a lot of us uh, get overwhelmed easily in large stores and malls. Like I mentioned earlier on, earlier on getting panic, panic attacks at malls and that sort of thing. So going to smaller stores uh, makes it easier because you know where things are and you don't get as overwhelmed. And then the kids, again, uh, dinner time, which is supposed to be you know our time to connect with our kids, it doesn't always work that way when ADD is in the mix. So if you're like me and your stomach churns when there's a lot of chaos in the house, you might want to eat before the kids do or eat after the kids. But you can sit with your family and hear them and talk to them and, and you know connect with them. But it doesn't mean you have to have your meal with them. Household tips. You know, you're always going to have a to-do list. So I think we need to start relaxing a little bit about this. I get lots of questions like, how can I make my house more organized and, and all that sort of thing. But um, I love what Dr. Ned Hallowell says. He says, just be organized enough, meaning if you can find, you know, your things and it's not a health hazard, let go of these expectations, again, of what we have for ourselves. So my suggestions for household tips briefly is to have messy zones set up. We try so hard to keep our house tidy that if you allow yourself to have a messy zone, I think it takes the... Uh, stress out of trying to keep up with the house. So in my case, especially when my kids were younger, my messy zone was my entire upstairs. I knew that I couldn't expect kids to make beds. I couldn't make beds every day. I couldn't keep up with the piles of their clothes and toys. So I only allowed the immediate family to go upstairs um, because, you know, I would get embarrassed. MIS is make it fun. So one example could be, you know, to keep things working uh, at home with the kids' toys, you could give each, assign each kid a, a laundry bin, a basket, and give them 10 minutes and say, okay, um, whoever gets the most toys picked up and put away gets, and then you give them a small prize. It could be they choose what's for dinner the next night or that night. It could be they can stay up 10 minutes later before bedtime. Another idea is to put a basket hoop um, on the kids' doors, and then they throw their dirty laundry into the hoop, and it drops into a laundry basket. So making it fun, it can be really hard and exhausting because, as you know, kids with ADD get bored easily, too, and they want uh, you know something more fun to do. They get bored of the routine. 
Also, maintaining routines and consistency, very important, but very hard. And those of us uh, with ADD, uh, it's a love-hate relationship. We need routines, but we hate them. But I would recommend that you try and make these routines part of your part of uh, your family life because that's what makes life easier for all of you. So here is that wonderful, happy family again. We're going to get into talking about family and parenting tips. Now, looking at this picture, I have to laugh again. Uh, this, this image we have in our head, and here it is on the slide, these perfect kids. I never had a family picture taken where my kids didn't have food smeared all over their clothes, uh, including me. You know, I was just as uh, guilty of having messy clothes at times. And look at these kids. They're smiling. The parents are smiling. My kids never could sit through a, a shoot like this. More than likely, our families look like this. This is what I would expect from us, from what I consider, you know, families with ADHD kids. So what do we do? Well, first thing would start with uh, problem solving. I think we have a tendency to become uh, like dictators and we point our fingers, you have to do this, you need to do this, and that just causes more stress for all of you. So instead, you can look at the problem and say, we have a problem. Um, what can we do about it? Instead of, you know, just complaining and screaming and all that sort of thing. So solve problems together. With family battles, try and learn to remove yourself if necessary. If you see things getting worked up, you're getting worked up, the kids are getting worked up, give yourself a timeout. We know how to do that with our kids, but we don't do it enough with ourselves. So get yourself into the bathroom for a 10-minute uh, downtime or in the, in the bedroom. But uh, tell your family ahead of time. Don't just auto all of a sudden run away, you know, like that. Explain, I need downtime because I don't want to blow up and make everybody miserable. And what's great about this strategy is it's a way to model behaviors for your kids so that they can eventually learn to remove themselves from a, a fight. Let them learn to go into their rooms and do something to calm themselves down. Picking your battles. Is it really that terrible if your kids run out of the house with two different colored socks? No. So start thinking about, well, what can I let go of? I think you know, some of us try to be too controlling because, again, we have that image in our head of having to be the great mom and perfect family. So it's time to let go of that. Homework time is horrible time. Horror time in my house, anyway, it was. I'm sure it is for many of you. Now, I worked very hard with a, uh, an advocate back when my daughter was young. And I put in her IEP, which many of you know what that is. That's where kids get special help at school. In her IEP, I insisted that all homework be done at school because what I realized was having these head-to-head -head battles at home every night after school just created terrible friction between my daughter and me. And I thought, that's not worth it. What's most important is to have a good relationship with my child. So this may not work for you. My daughter, like I mentioned, has some other issues besides ADD. So if you can't get that done at school, then hire someone to come in and work with your child or have your partner or your husband uh, take over this part of the day because you're all, both of you, all of you are already exhausted and then you have to face homework or bring in a teenager, a high school kid or a college student or a tutor and take this on. Remove yourself. And then listen before reacting. That's, uh, again, you know, we tend to be overreactive and we're, we don't have a lot of patience at times. When we kind of get to the point before your child does. So take a step back and listen more carefully to what your child is saying to you. So let's get into some personal tips. I call them self-survival tips. 
Again, getting help, getting help with cleaning the house, again, is not a luxury. We have to break out of that thinking. If you can budget into your household funds uh, once a week, once a month, once every couple, whatever you can do, get someone in to help you clean the house. Have someone come in with uh, help for the kids. Like I said, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you need a break from that. Go to support groups. Go to these webinars. Go to conferences. Larry Solden is going to have a really cool event in Ann Arbor, Michigan in uh, uh, mid-May. You can email me if you want more information about that. And this is a way where you'll be able to connect with other women, other moms who have ADHD in a very supportive, wonderful way of getting uh, information and enjoying the company of others who really understand you. There's so many people who don't understand us, and we need that connection. Then we get into self-care, which, you know, I don't need to tell you. We need to exercise and watch our diet, do yoga or something, meditate, get good sleep. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. But the problem is how do you do it? So I think we need to bump this up more. And instead of focusing so much on our kids, we need to also focus on ourselves. So finding a buddy who will maybe take walks with you, working with a coach who can help hold you accountable, those are ways to get these things done on a regular basis. And then giving yourself downtime, again, it's not a luxury. So I suggest, uh, if you're a working mom, for instance, that you stop somewhere at a Starbucks or a coffee shop somewhere, give yourself 15 minutes downtime so that you can unwind before you come back into the more important role, the more important job which you have, which is being a mom to your kids, partner to your to your spouse. Organizing another big big concern. I get a lot of questions about this. We're going to talk about a few tips on organizing. And what we know is that if you have ADHD, visual cues are extremely helpful. And I suggest using bulletin boards. In my home office, I've got bulletin boards. I'm looking at them now all over because I need things out in the open. And it sounds counterintuitive that we want to have our homes, you know, clutter-free. But for me, there's certain things I have to have in my face. Because if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And that's very much a part of having ADHD. So um, one of my uh, tools for, for keeping on track uh, of things and organizing is I have uh, a notebook that I keep in my home office, and it never, never leaves my room. So I jot everything down of importance, reminders for myself, because I can't rely on my memory. And I suggest you don't either. So we need these kinds of tools. So I have a notebook, so if anyone calls, I jot down the discussion. I know that I'll forget down the road. Appointments I put down in, uh, in, in on there and also on a planner. But I also keep a pad of Post-its next to every phone in my house. And at the end of the day, if a call comes in and I can't get to my notebook, I'm in a different room, I jot it down and then I take that little Post-it note and I put it, I slap it right into that notebook. <clears throat> Using the timer, we know that we can have a tough time starting, but we can also have a Really tough time stopping, which we don't talk enough about. So using a timer for both of those, you know, set a timer when you need to be doing something, set it again for when you need to stop. Because if you're like me, you can get stuck on Facebook. Uh, a 20-minute uh, Facebook day can turn into three hours. So take advantage of the timer. And also there's tons of apps out there now. You just need to do a search on Google for ADHD and apps. Lots of great ones out there. So let's get into mom at work. Wasn't there a band, men at work? Well, this is mom at work. So one thought is using flex time. I know it's hard and not, uh, 
not everyone can get away with that, but it's also really helpful with ADHD. If you have kids at home, it makes life easier for you. If you can, if you can't, then um, finding out other things that will be helpful to you for work would be using a launch pad. So um, did I screw up here? Let me make sure. No, that's right. So a launch pad is basically having a space in your wherever everybody exits the house in the morning. If you're going to work, your kids are going to school, have everything laid out there the night before so that you're not running around crazy in the morning getting to work on time. Because that's one of the big issues is I don't get to work on time. I hear that all the time. So that's the launch pad. And then taking a break before coming home. We talked about that, how important it is to do that. Um, but also, when you're at work, figuring out what your style is. Uh, if you're a morning person, working on the more difficult projects that time of the day. Uh, if if morning is not a great time for you, that might be when you check your email, things that don't take as much mental energy. So I don't have time to get into a whole lot of that. But what I'm saying is that, in general, going with your ADD instead of fighting it will make your life so much easier. Find ways to make things work for you. Change that internal dialogue. Use new strategies so that you can live more happily and calmly instead of banging your head against the wall because we can't change our neurobiology just like you can't change uh, who you are, you know, what kind of uh, blood you have or what your skin color, all those things. We have to go with what we have, making accommodations for yourself. That is my main point here. And then these are some websites that you'll be able to look at uh, when you, if you want to return to um, the slides that they'll have available online for you, and books that I recommend. But getting back to, you know, wrap up, because I want to get to your questions. My final words, again, getting the proper treatment. Uh, that's paramount to, to make things work for you and your family, getting support. Uh, we just had a, our ADHD Palooza for women. Uh, you can email me to get questions, uh, I mean, answers about what that was all about. But we're starting to understand more and more about women's needs, mom's needs, Again, Sari Solden's got this Better Together Fest coming up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So getting the support you need, focusing on your strengths, stop uh, criticizing yourself, change that inner dialogue, and even if you need to write it down, the things that you're good at doing. And reframing yourself as a woman with that ADD brain, again, it's not being lazy or incompetent or crazy. It's just your, your biology. And embracing your differences instead of hiding them. So I know I kind of zipped through this pretty quickly, but I did want to have uh, plenty of time for your questions, and I think I'm going to hand it back to Karen. Um, you there? I'm here. There you and are. thank you so much. Here I am. This has been this has been really great, and I think a lot of uh, women and and um, have really picked up a lot of information from your presentation here. And our first question is coming from uh, Liz. And she was wondering if you had any suggestions on how she can stop herself from constantly complaining throughout her day, especially when things aren't going the way she plans or things have gone wrong. She, she's got this um, ongoing monologue with herself of just complaining throughout the day, and it's not helping. No, and she's very wise to be um, uh, understanding of this of this problem because, we do have a lot of things thrown at us, and we're, we struggle, and we have all these challenges, and complaining is not a way to make things better. So one, one tip would be to write them down instead of shouting them out or complaining to people in the family because they don't want to hear it either. 
So try, you know, to get a notebook or a pad of paper, and when you feel that urge to complain, write it down. Now, if you're complaining about problems with the family that you wish they would do this and wish you would do that, uh, we've heard about family meetings. I think a lot of you have heard of that. That's a way to 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 address the things that are bothering you so that you don't have to go complain each time one of these things come up. So like maybe every Sunday after dinner, have a family meeting. When you write down these complaints, you know, bring them up at the dinner table, I mean, after your dinner at, the, at this meeting. But again, address it in a positive way, not in a negative way, stating this is a problem for me or this is a problem for us. Let's put our heads together and figure out a solution. Because as Liz knows, complaining does not solve anything. So I would suggest writing it down and having family meetings. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Polly's looking for some tips on um, for mothers who's, who have, well, we know that ADHD runs in families, and many of our mothers who have ADHD have children who have ADHD. And Polly is kind of dealing with that. There's more than one person in her family with ADHD. She's trying to try some new strategies, but her biggest concern right now is her husband is kind of resistant to change. How can she work with him to kind of get those changes in for her family? Um, this is something I hear all the time, that the husbands, the, the partners, whoever, is not on board with, with developing strategies. And even more so, even if they're on board with understanding it, a lot of times they don't follow through because I don't think they always understand the impact that this has on the family and on, on the mom. So one way is to work with a, a counselor or a therapist, but here's the key is you really want to find someone who understands ADD, because otherwise this can blow up in your face where the therapist not understanding the ADD piece might take your husband's side and say, yeah, well, how, how come you're not uh, keeping up with the laundry? How come the kids are wearing dirty clothes? How come? So I would really suggest if it's really out of hand to find a, a, a marital counselor or a family therapist, but again, making sure that that person understands ADHD. And then having... Um, books available for your husband to read. Again, that's something that we often have a very hard time doing. Husbands or partners don't want to read or they don't believe in the severity of the thing. So another tip is to maybe say to your husband that, you know, I may have this problem, but, you know, we all have problems. And not in a degrading way, but maybe point out some of his difficulties and say, look, we all have our challenges and we're a partnership here. We want to make our family happy and keep them healthy, and in order to do that, I really need your help with this. So maybe engaging him in that way, but uh, if it gets to be to the point where it's really having a detrimental effect on your marriage and uh, the family, I would suggest professional help. All right, well, thank you. Well, we've got uh, two comments now. One is from Kelly, and she wants to thank you for saying that carry-out meals, take-out meals, are an accommodation and that this is a good one for women to look into. And Joni, she is looking at uh, how to organize her day-to-day -day tasks, but she is most especially interested in meal planning and how to do that. Okay, well I mentioned the, the, the uh, POW card, so let me get into a little bit more of that. First of all, we need to understand why it's so difficult because I think when you understand it, then you don't feel so much shame around it. But when you think of putting on a meal, it's not just putting on a meal, it's planning. It's going shopping. It's making decisions. It's going to a grocery store that can be so overwhelming because you have to make a choice. Of You're in an aisle of just a cereal, and you've got hundreds of these colored boxes staring at you in the face, so it's a, a perfect time to just shut down. Then once you make that decision, you get your stuff, 
you're exhausted by the time you get home. Now, I bet you a lot of you have the same problem I do. Once I'm done grocery shopping, I'm too tired to even make a meal. So we either go out or, or you know, throw some leftovers together. But understanding that this is part of our problems with executive function. Executive function is, in simple terms, how to get from A to B, from B to C, or from A to Z. You know, all the steps that are involved. And that's why making meals is so hard because it involves all the parts of our brain that we, as women with ADHD, have difficulty with across the board. If you have ADHD, you have trouble with executive function. So understanding that that it's not just a fluky thing, but it's, a, it's, it's almost disabling for many of us. So the cards where you already eliminate having to make decisions, you write down ideas of maybe five cards. So one card could say roast chicken, I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, mashed potatoes and a salad. So at least now you have something to go by. On the back is uh, a list of ingredients that you need to get so that once you get into the store, if you can allow yourself to hyper-focus on just those, whatever it is, how many things you need to make this meal work, you go to the store and get the heck out of there as fast as you can. Also, what worked for me when my kids were young was I helped, had them help me make the decision because I couldn't please everybody, and that's something we also commonly see. Nobody's happy with what you put on the table, and again, we start playing those tapes in our head that we're a bad mother because our kids don't like our food. So if you engage the kids in not only the decision-making but also hands-on, even a five-year-old can help uh, make dinner. They can set the table. They can mix stuff in the bowl. They can pull things out of uh, the refrigerator for you. So getting uh, others to help you make the meal is, is really, really helpful for all of you. And I could spend an hour talking about just meals because that, again, is one of my biggest problems. But, yeah, it's okay to carry out. Fit it into your budget. You know, instead of going out to the movies once a week, uh, maybe go out to the movies once a month and have carry out uh, a couple times a week. So, and there's more of that in the book too. So, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Maria is looking for advice on how to handle her tasks and be more productive during the day, and not do as much procrastinating as she finds is happening. Okay, so here's a tip for you on procrastination, and it also works for making decisions on how to get things done. I think that we have a tendency of looking outward. We look at the mess in the house, if you want to call it a mess. I don't like that word. We look at the clutter. We look at the unfinished projects. We look at all the things we need to do, and then we get stuck. And when we get stuck, it's because we don't know where to start or we don't know how to start or what we need to do, and then that leads, of course, to procrastination. So one way around this is, is um, what I call looking inward and asking yourself, if I could do one thing right now, uh, if I could just uh, eliminate one thing from my to-do list, what would make me feel the best right now? So start with right now. And I think the answer will come to you immediately. It could be uh, pay the bills. It could be doing the laundry. It could be working on a project that's overdue at work. So you could be more productive by starting to go inward and listening to your body. If you're getting migraine headaches, if you've got a, uh, having stomach upsets because you just feel like you're swirling in space, because you don't know where to begin or how to begin, go inward and your answer will be there. And also having that to-do list, we have to rely on those kinds of external factors to, to help us get through the day. We can't rely on just thinking, oh, I need to do this, I really should do this. Write it down, have a to-do list. I personally put stuff um, in my planner uh, and I put as much down as I can. I also have another little booklet, which is just like a to-do list, but I found it at some store 
where I just list every day what I need to do, and I break it down sometimes into 15-minute increments because I can't uh, allow myself to to know what to do and when because I'll be procrastinating just like everybody else with ADHD. So those are some tips that I hope will be helpful to you guys. They sound like really good tips and ones that are really useful and, and can be started today. Well, we've got a question now from Liz, and she's dealing with um, a lack of novelty, and she's wondering what she can do to be content with her day-to-day -day when it doesn't excite her anymore. And Liz doesn't tell us what her occupation is, but things are not novel to her, and she's not excited. What can she do? Yeah, I wish I had more information, Liz. I don't know, like uh, Karen is saying, if, if you're talking about your job, if you're talking about being a parent, if you're talking about uh, just a day-to-day -day life at home. Uh, I might want to talk more about, you know, is it just a lack of being excited about it or could there be a little bit of depression? Sometimes with a little bit of depression, we just kind of lose interest in our day-to-day -day things. If it's related to your work, I would wonder, well, maybe that's not the right job for you. People with ADD are, are novelty-seeking people. So if it's a job that you're unhappy with because you've been doing it a long time and you're bored, then maybe consider a change. If it's stuff around the house, well, some of those things are very boring. Laundry is boring. One of the things that I talk about in uh, The Queen of Distraction is twinning. Um, that's like taking a boring task, let's say uh, laundry. And let's say every Monday at 8 o'clock you watch your favorite TV show. And you know you've got some boring task you have to do and you're putting it off. So twinning would be, for instance, taking your laundry up into the TV room and folding laundry while you're watching TV. So maybe twinning something that you really find boring with something that you enjoy doing. But again, I don't have the details of your situation, so you know I've given you a, oh, a couple of or three or four different options depending on what exactly is, is making things boring. But understanding that well, that's part of ADD. Liz got back to us, and she says that she is a, a parent and that she's primarily at home. So some of the things she's dealing with is the day-to-day -day routine of being a parent at home. Uh, with her, her kids gone during the school day. And she's bored at home, and I'm guessing she's talking about some of the things that we've been talking about, the laundry, keeping the house up. Uh, if you have a friend or a relative that uh, can come to your house uh, and you can do things together and maybe take turns where she can help you with tidying up or doing laundry and then you can take turns and go to her house, that's one way to make it more fun because you have someone to talk to. It's, it's very lonely, ADD or not. Uh, being home and doing some of these things can be a very lonely life for for many, many women. And that's why we get into trouble by getting onto Facebook and playing uh, all those games on, on, on the computer or getting stuck on TV shows. So uh, partnering with someone, getting out of the house, if you're able to get out, and maybe just changing up your routine. So maybe um, instead of doing these things every day, maybe take a couple days off and go to an exercise class or go out with your friends. Uh, just understanding that that's part of how your brain works. You don't tolerate boring tasks. That's part of it. And finding some new hobbies. There's lots of things that are open to you. You have the freedom now that the kids are in school um, to, to maybe start exploring some new things about yourself that you'd like to learn about. Wonderful. Well, Ariel has um, a problem that many, many people do have to address. And she is wondering if you have any suggestions on how to explain ADHD to family members that are kind of skeptical about what's going on. They're not quite with her when she says, I'm a, I'm a mother with ADHD, I'm a woman with ADHD, and these are why these things are difficult. What can she do there? That is a, a pretty tough uh, situation for a lot of people, especially if 
family members don't believe in ADHD. So one thing I suggest is instead of using the word ADHD, is to start off by using descriptors. So you might say, I, I tend to be disorganized. I don't mean to be disorganized, but I am a disorganized person. Or I tend to be late. I mean, that's another biggie. I tend to be late to things. So if you start off with descriptions, and then gradually come around to explaining, well, ADHD is a medical condition. It's how I was born. I didn't ask for it. It's highly genetic, so I probably got it from, and then name another family member who may have characteristics like you have. And that person could have ADHD or have ADHD tendencies. But start going at it with, with descriptions. Um, and if they're open to reading about it, great. A lot of times they aren't. If they're open to going to a counseling session, if you happen to be in therapy, engage them in that way. Say, hey, you know, I wish you'd come with me to see my counselor. She can better explain what's going on than I can. Uh, and then, you know, again, reading and talking. But uh, sometimes it just doesn't work. And at, at that point, uh, if it's a close family member, you may want to engage in therapy in, in a deeper way if it's really getting to you. But sometimes we have to accept the fact there are, there's going to be people out there who do not understand ADHD and how it affects you and don't care to understand it. And that's something some of us have to just uh, accept at some point. We have several participants who want to follow that up. And they are saying um, that they're getting some negative comments. Their treatment plans involve medication. And they're finding these negative comments, the stigma surrounding medication use as part of treatment, how can they respond? What are some statements that maybe either to help them explain or to maybe just end the conversation? Um, I think you should start off by explaining that uh, ADHD is an invisible, um, some people call it a disability, some people call it a condition, whatever you want to call it, use the word that you feel comfortable with, but explaining that it is a true medical condition and it's um, understood by and accepted and talked about and described in the DSM, which is the diagnostic uh, tool that doctors use to diagnose psychiatric disorders. You can point that out that um, if you go online and chat, has a lot of information about medication for the treatment of ADD that study after study after study shows that that is the most helpful, most appropriate um, way to handle ADHD. It's uh, it's Medications that are used for ADHD have been used for many, many years and are safely used now as long as you're, you know, working with a knowledgeable uh, physician. But I understand that there is this thought that uh, you're weak if you use medications or you're going to end up being addicted to it and it's all misinformation. It's the myth of ADHD. There are some great articles online. I can't direct you to them, uh, you know, right now, but if you do a search, uh, I would search for the myths, myths of ADHD and target the ones that talk about treatment and medication because I think that there are some groups, large uh, semi-religious groups who have done a real number, Chad's very familiar with this, who have done a real number using the media to make uh, a negative spin on medication use for ADHD. But what we do know, and this is another uh, way to discuss this, is that by not treating your ADHD typically with medications for most, uh, there are statistics, research that back up the facts that you're in for a real challenge. Um, we know that many people go to, are, that are in the prison system have undiagnosed, untreated ADHD. We know many people who are failing in their jobs have uh, non, you know, not are not being adequately treated. 
all these areas of our life with our kids. Uh, kids who are not getting the appropriate treatment, they're failing school. So what's more important? You know, taking the medication because we know from research that that's what works or listening to family members or other people who oh, naysay medications and then take our kids or ourselves off of it. So we need to start reaching for the studies, the stats, the research, the true information out there that proves that this is helpful and is needed. So I would go straight to the internet, uh, unless you want to get into the books, which, you know, that's a little tougher. But there's a lot of information out there that show how important medication treatment is for working. It does not solve the problem of having ADD. ADD does not go away with medication. It just helps tame the symptoms. So that's a tough one, and especially if it's people in your family that you're dealing with. Um, but get your hands on the facts. Make a fact sheet. Wonderful. Well, we've got uh, two questions now. Um, Leslie is interested in some tips on how to make friends for herself. Um, her kids are doing fine making friends. She's the one who's looking for a buddy. And Danielle is having trouble focusing on what people say when they talk to her, and she's having some anxiety about that, and she was wondering how she could deal with that. These are, I kind of think these are maybe related questions. Yeah, I think so too. And I think a lot of people with ADHD, adults with ADHD, we've lived a lifetime of, for many of us, uh, failures or perceived failures. Like we think we're not doing good enough in our in our life. And as kids, if you've had trouble making friendships, well, that follows you into adulthood. And we can become very insecure and, and be afraid to reach out because we're afraid, well, we're going to be laughed at or we'll, we'll be rejected. All those things follow us. And that's where I think if this is a big issue that Therapy can really help in managing um, how we see ourselves. And also working with a good therapist, can they can teach you how to make friends, how to express yourself, how to reach out. And, and a lot of that also works with what I talked about earlier. It's first accepting your own ADD. Until you get to that point, it's really hard to do some of these things. So there's a great book out there that talks specifically about social skills, making friends, keeping friends, how to talk to people. And it's a book written by Dr. Michelle Novotny, and that's spelled N like a Nancy, O-V, oh boy, N-O-V-A-T-N-I, Novotny, I believe that's it. And the book is called, I think it's called, What Does Everybody Know That I Don't? It's uh, an older book, but it's a classic, and it will really help with some of these questions about making friends. Uh, one of the things... You can do if you're anxious about talking to people. There's, there's a couple points that go with that. One is practicing with people that either you're comfortable with, if you have a friend who would be willing to work with you on that, is practicing. Another thing is in uh, practicing, let's say you go to the grocery store, you have no idea how to initiate a conversation. Well, you can practice on people that you know you'll never see again. Uh, and just say, you know, how are you today? And, and see what kind of response you get. Learn to look at the person in her eye, you know, eye-to-eye -eye contact. Look at her body language. Think about your own body language. So it's uh, partly practicing. Um, another thing to think about is a lot of people with ADD have something called social anxiety on top of their ADHD. And that, again, uh, can be worked on by working with a therapist. Uh, sometimes medication is warranted. But I think a lot of it is, is practicing, and I would go that route with uh, counseling, working with a friend or family member that is there really to help you, not someone who will give you what I call toxic help. You don't want anybody who will scold you or make you feel 
worse than you already do. You want positive feedback. And then again, the book by Michelle Novotny. Wonderful. Well, we are down to our last two questions as we approach the top of the hour. So we're down to our last two questions. And our first one is from Elaine, and she has a son who is 18. Both she and her son were diagnosed just two years ago with ADHD. And she's wondering if you have any suggestions on how she can help teach her son some of the skills that she lacks. Um, she hasn't practiced them herself, but she's trying to help him enter adulthood. What can she do? I would like to know what kind of skills. I'm kind of guessing they might be social skills. I could be wrong, but that's my guess. Well, she hasn't told us, but I think it's some of it. Some of the social skills. Some of it are the coping skills. Some of it may be the organizational skills that a young adult needs. So first of all, you want to engage him. I'm guessing from the way the the question is posed that he's on board. If he's on board, you are a very lucky mom because most boys at that age want nothing to do with any of this kind of thing, and that's a much more difficult situation. If he is on board, I suggest that you uh, hire a coach. An ADD coach, and there's a lot of them out there. If you want uh, more information on that, you can email me, or I believe Chad has a directory of coaches and other professionals. There's uh, directories all, all over uh, online. I have one on my website at ADD Consults, too. But working one-on-one uh, -on -one with a coach can really help with all of these things. And I think you're very wise to get him started uh, at 18 when he's still open to that. Uh, again, uh, working with a therapist who understands ADD, that's the big piece again, is understanding the ADD component. Organizational skills, a coach can handle that. Uh, social skills, uh, therapy, I think is maybe even a coach, a good coach could handle that as well. Reading books, again, that book uh, by Michelle Novotny would be helpful for both mom and son. Uh, and I think it's interesting that she said the skills that she likes that she's working on. And I, I commend you, uh, I can't remember is your name, Arlene, or Ar I think it was Arlene. I commend you for continuing to try to improve yourself and being there for your son. But uh, this is a big question, and I would say start off with an ADD coach or consider a therapist or counselor. Oh, and wonderful, wonderful. Organizing, I would, I would really, really suggest working with a professional organizer. I did that to set up my home office, and I learned so much just from watching her. That's where I came up with, you know, every place, everything needs a home. I mean, that's not something I made up. That's something that she taught me. And then once we made a home for everything, it was so much easier to keep the house up a little bit better because when you have something in your hand, you know where to put it. So, yeah, a professional organizer would be great for him, too. Wonderful. Well, we have information on our website at helpforadhd.org slash NRC for National Resource Center on coaching, on how to find a good coach. And we also have a lot of information on organizing and some of these social skills. So this brings us to our last question. And it's actually we have several parents um, who are looking for advice for families where both the parents, the mom, the dad, and the children have ADHD. What are your maybe your top three items of advice? Well, I'm going to just emphasize what I talked about earlier, and that is to make accommodations for yourself. Stop uh, feeling like you have to be like everybody else with the perfect home, perfect family. It's not going to work. With both parents having ADD and kids who have ADD, uh, it's going to be more of a challenge. So you have to kind of ease up and allow for your home, your family to be a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more disorganized, 
a little bit more, you know, just difficult than a family without ADHD. If you think about other so-called disabilities, I mean, that's just across the board. If everybody in your house um, had a vision problem and needed help with that, well, you can't expect those families to be uh, like everybody else's families. They have to seek out accommodations and support, treatment, medications, uh, accommodations. Uh, but mainly it's to, to knock it down a notch, to not not feel like you have to be like everybody else. It's just not going to happen. It's also finding people who celebrate who you are and how you live your lives, being with people who recognize your challenges but don't uh, point fingers at them, finding fun as a family. I find that people with ADD can be so much fun. They're funny. They're creative. They think outside the box. Um, and really working towards those areas where you do function well as a family and understanding that, you know, yeah, you've got your challenges, but you also have these great things, too, going for you. It may mean uh, family counseling if things do get out of hand. It may mean getting more help in the house. Again, it's an accommodation. It's not a luxury. Keep pounding that back into your heads and your partner's head that this is not something that we can just say is a luxury because it's not. So reaching out for resources out there, going to conferences, uh, getting professional help, organizers, coaches, therapists, getting that medication tweaked is really important if all of you in the house have ADHD. Finding physical outlets, real important, especially if there's hyperactivity and impulsivity going on. Uh, there's just so much to be said about how can you make your life better. And some of it I did cover um, in the session, but uh, think outside the box. You're good at that. Well, what would make us happy? What would make things work better for us? And then these family meetings and going over the different areas of challenge for each person in the family and the family as a whole and come up with these novel ideas for what will work for you. I think that's the best I can do with that question. That's a biggie. It is a biggie, and I think that's a really good answer because this is something, again, ADHD runs in families, and it is very common for parents and children to both have ADHD. Well, I'd like to thank you, Ms. Matlin, for your insights and for your suggestions. I think that a lot of women and mothers that joined us today, and I'm sure we've got grandmothers and aunts and probably some fathers and uncles with us today also, and uh, you've given them some good suggestions for dealing with these daily struggles, and I think a lot of your comments and your answers have been helpful for them. We'd like, we've had many questions to our, to our participants. I'd like to say that we have had a lot of questions today, and we try to get to as many as we can. If we didn't get to your question, please contact us at the National Resource Center, either online at helpforadhd.org slash nrc, or Monday to Friday from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time at 1-800-233-4050. We'd like to thank you for joining us today, and we'd like to thank you, Ms. Matlin, for presenting, and we hope that you will join us again throughout the year at, for our Ask the Expert webcast series. Thank you very much. This has been an excellent topic and an excellent time. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.